For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. These are the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10:17, And this is the topic in today's edition of Shi'ar Jashub, coming from Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. Pastor Greg Scalzo, as part of his series on heavenly authority, has been teaching concerning divisions among believers. And last time, he began a discussion about the Lord's Supper as an illustration of what we are called to be in Christ versus the problems that then creep into the church. When we left off, Pastor Greg was examining 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 19. That Greek word for factions denotes a choice, a choosing, and it can be translated a number of different ways. From the idea of a choice or a choosing, it comes to mean an opinion, especially a self-willed opinion, a self-willed opinion which leads to divisions, to the formation of parties, of a sect, one sect, one religious sect against another. It's the Greek word hariresis, which we get the English word heresy from. And the King James will translate it heresy. The New King James translates the word heresy, the same word over in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20. Because that's the end result when you have people choosing and opinions and self-willed opinions. Well, I believe this and I believe that. And it's not based on truth but it's based on arrogance, the end result is you will have different parties or divisions or factions, which is the way the word is translated in some sections of the Bible. And ultimately, you will have heresies, which is the way it's translated in other places in the New Testament. Factions, divisions. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Since the moral conditions are so bad what we've been studying for the last several weeks. It's very natural then to get these divisions, different groups, different parties, and some of them the start of heresies, which attract the unsound minds, attract those who want to say, I am of so-and-so, I am of so-and-so, and get away from, as we studied last week, the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. And once that happens, once that sin enters in, then God even uses the divisions to make the proved ones manifest, to recognize those who are approved. It's a hard concept. Uh, Matthew Henry says it this way, and I think it's an excellent way of trying to interpret verse 19. He says, this is Paul's charge against them. Upon coming together, they fell into divisions. They fell quarreling with one another. The apostle had heard a report of the Corinthians' divisions, and he tells them he had too much reason to believe it. There must be heresies also. No marvel there should be breaches of Christian love in the churches when such offenses will come. Such offenses must come. God permits them that those who are approved, such honest hearts as will bear the trial, may be set to view and appear faithful. 
The wisdom of God can make the wickedness of others a foil to the integrity of the saints. What you have is very similar to the situation we studied in our background study in the Old Testament, where you have sin, for example, the gross sin of Solomon, the idolatry. You have arrogance, setting up high places to every foreign god. This sin and arrogance that comes in leads to division, and God then permits the division conditionally. He will use it to preserve his word and then set apart his faithful ones. And you have the division of Israel. You have the time of the prophets rebuking and teaching and giving forth the word of God. It's not God's heart's desire for Israel to be divided. It is not God's heart's desire for the church to be divided. We are one body. We are one bread. But when you have the sin and arrogance coming in, when you have the shame coming in and people going after their own viewpoints and then factions starting, God then uses it and he will use the division to show forth those who are approved of him, that the people would recognize what is truth and what is heresy. Very difficult concept to grasp because you're talking about the conditional will of God, what he allows, what he permits because of sin, versus the heart's desire, the positional will of God, what he really wants. He doesn't want the sin. He doesn't want the arrogance. He doesn't want the divisions. He doesn't want the schisms. He wants us to be one bread, one body. But he will use the other, if it comes about, as a foil to reverse it. He will use the divisions to bring forth his word. For there must also be factions among you, verse 19 of chapter 11, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Look at the shame and the brashness and the self-centeredness of the people. Look at verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. You think you are, but you're not doing this with the right motives. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. They're pushing ahead at the love feasts, at the agape feasts, one is hungry and another is drunk. Now, I believe that at the communion table, we use grape juice because it's the safest thing to do. Some people have alcoholic problems, and I'm not going to place temptation in their way by using wine. But I believe at the actual Last Supper, the Jews drank wine. I don't know if it was as intense or concentrated as the wines we might have today, but there's no way you can twist the scripture to say they were drinking grape juice. Paul did not say be not drunk with grape juice. It was wine. And here you have people coming together and they are drinking the wine in a way they're getting drunk. So some are grasping and grabbing the food. Some are getting drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? Some maybe were very poor and they could come with only a little food. They were, they were being put down because they weren't bringing more food. All the nonsense the pettiness. Maybe you might be familiar with things like this in social situations, in same family situations. Human nature, when it comes in and people like to put each other down or cut each other up, you know, one woman will talk against what another woman brings to a feast. Those are things of the world. They're carnality, and they've crept into this church, the shame of it. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. And it's such an example of how a church can go bad. And these people we know from the beginning of 1 Corinthians, the gifts of the Spirit are in this church. 
And yet, they've degenerated so that that which is so important has just become another church activity. And that's what happens with carnal, uh, worldly religion. That which is, should be important becomes a ritual, a church activity. It loses its meaning, its original purpose, because if they understood the original purpose, they couldn't do what they're doing. They are one bread, one body. And then he goes on to tell them what their motives should be. Rather than this carnal religion, these divisions, he says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Paul takes them from their shame and their human fussiness and, and commonness, and he brings them to the lofty position of what you're supposed to be. What are you doing here? What is the special moment that you're doing? This is what the Lord gave us. He gave thanks. He broke it. Gave thanks. Same word. We get the word Eucharist from. And said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember the cross. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The blood of Jesus shed for our sins, for the forgiveness of sins, the life of the Son of God given for us as often as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me, Jesus said. For as often as you eat this bread, and drink this cup, what does Paul say? You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. He's alive, he's coming back. But you proclaim his death. Why? That's the victory. The cross, the holy sacrifice. You are partakers of the altar of God. Not an altar of bulls and goats that can only temporarily cover a person ceremonially. You are partakers of the sacrifice that Jesus made. This is a holy moment. And your motives and your mind and your heart should be so fixed on what Jesus Christ did for you. Not on your pettiness, not on your divisions, not on your, your arrogance and your brashness and, and all your thoughts and your opinions. All your opinions upon opinions that are tearing apart your church. Verse 27, he says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup, this is how serious it is, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, again he says it, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. You don't understand. You're not discerning. You're not comprehending what you're doing, how holy this moment is, how sacred this moment is, how you should go there and focus on Jesus and not be so distracted by this so-called love feast where you don't love each other. Where all you do is show your, your selfishness. Verse 30, For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, have died, sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord 
that we may not be condemned with the world. And God will judge. He will not allow the holiness of what Jesus did to become a common thing, to be trampled on by a childish church. Now, that's not God's heart's desire to judge us. If we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But he chastens, as a child is chastened, so that they don't go any further in the sin. So again, the conditional will of God will be to make sure he restores to his church the concept of holiness, of sacredness, of what we have that saves us. It is not a common thing to be played with, to trample on, to be a child with. It is a holy thing that God, by grace, has allowed us to touch, to touch the cross of Jesus. Therefore, my brethren, verse 33, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. And the end result was what? The agape feast just had to end, and the focus had to be on the communion because it was just too much of a problem. It was too hard to do it the way they did it at the Last Supper, to eat and, and remember the Lord's body and blood as they fellowship together. So it just... The feast passed away, and that which was the most important remained in the church. If anyone is hungry, let, let, let this not be a time of eating. Eat at home, and the rest I will set in order when I come. For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. And the bread we break, is it not the communion, the fellowship, of the body of Christ. Join Pastor Greg Scalzo on our website at www.shiarjeshub.org.